Who the bloody hell's that? Should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. You just don't never know. It's 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 a reminder. I mean, we all know it. I mean, no one knows how much time and all of that, but. Nonetheless, every now and again something happens and you think, blimey, I'd better enjoy myself. You know, I'd better stop moaning and make the very best of what I've got. How long do you find that lasts when you say that to yourself? About an hour and a half. (laughs) Oh, you're doing well. I don't normally get to an hour. (laughs) No, it's so easy to forget, isn't it? We're all so... Well, you know, as Eckhart Tolle said, and I echoed, um, you know, your mind will find a way to be unkind to you somehow. In fact, he never said that. I said it to make it rhyme, but um, it's true. You know, you, in in many ways, our our minds are our worst enemies, and we'll we'll constantly find a way to be bothered, and niggled, or un, or plain unhappy about things that. You know, it's a, really aren't that bad, and and we'd be better off just not being like that. It's so easy to say, isn't it? Mm. You've got to keep an eye on your mind because it's an enemy. I mm. think your mind is your enemy. Mm. I agree with you. Keep an eye on your mind. Shall we start? Yes. Even though I imagine a lot of that might stay in. But shall we start? Yes. Start properly anyway. Mm. You you know, right, okay. What are we on, 147? We are. Are we on the Snooker Loopy one? The the Snooker Loopy one? What the fuck? Well, 147, Maximum Breaking Snooker. Oh, I see, yeah, yeah. No, I guess we are. And for those of you watching in black and white, the green's there just behind the pink. Oh, I'm so pleased you resisted a brown and pink joke. Right, shall we start? (laughs) Yes. Good. Hello, and welcome to chapter 147 of the Corona Diaries. You said that with a bit of a chuckle, Anthony. I did with a bit of a chuckle, didn't I? quite pleasant. Did you enjoy the little chuckle? (laughs) I did. I'm mixing it up a bit. I'm thinking that, you know, after 146, it needs mixing up. Are you going to spit cappuccino on your on your windshield or? Yeah, sorry about all the slapping and numbing. And, 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 yeah. yeah, I'm in the middle of all sorts here. I've just had a nice cold poppadom from last night, and um, that's just, classy. I'm just trying to clear that out. Right. <laughs> right. And I'm, a, I'm nursing a cold, so I've got a bit of a, the motley wheeze is even worse than it was before. Um. Episode um, title, The uh, Muttley Weeze. Um, I'm having that. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is again. Um, 
and I'm drinking a cappuccino, so it probably all sounds perfectly disgusting. But it's not quite as bad as it sounds. We uh, we very briefly touched on your early morning poppadom, which I think is a, a, a fine thing to do. I think <laughs> the, it's a fine thing to do. The but EMP. We, <laughs> but we found we found there's a difference of opinion because I quite like an early morning prawn cracker, but you, you drew the line at that, didn't you? And quite vehemently as well, I think. Yeah, you have to draw the line at the... Uh... At the the prawn cracker after the night before, I think I think they're just too clarty in right. the morning. In fact, they're suspiciously clarty when you even get them in the first place. But you've usually had a couple of drinks and you don't notice. But in the morning, no, that's not right. But a poppadom is de rigueur. Right. I'm going to see if there's any way. I think there's a, a thing in Patreon, 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 where you can run a poll. And I might run a prawn cracker in the morning poll to see how the purples mm. fall on on the side of this. I think it'd be interesting. Hmm. I think I'm going to be on the losing side, actually. I thought you were going to say, I'm going to see if there's any way of declarting a prawn cracker. <laughs> I thought there might be some kind of experiment in chemistry. No, so, that's going on. That's so, going on. It's government funded. It's been running for about 15 years. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's one of the Oxford <laughs> colleges that took it on. <laughs> We're still waiting for the results. On behalf of the fucking Chinese. They should be paying for it themselves. <laughs> we can bring a vaccine to market in, in just over a year, but it's a, it's a lot of work. This is the other thing. Is it clart or clag? I must, is it clarty or clag? First, I must apologise to our many Chinese listeners <laughs> for yes. calling them the fucking Chinese. But that was that was only for the sake of humour. Right. Um, Do we know if we've got any Chinese <coughs> listeners? I sincerely hope so, but I very much doubt it. I'd be oh. delighted if we have. Chinese authorities, obviously. <laughs> Mossad tipped them the wing. <laughs> They're all perched out there on the tree branch. They are. With their binoculars and their <laughs> Geiger counters. <laughs> That's a lovely image. <laughs> of, of representatives of the world's secret services on a branch outside your window. In their sunglasses and trilbies. <laughs> <laughs> They're out there, oh, man. Who could draw us that photo? Is it a bit like the workmen on the on the skyscrapers with you know <laughs> popping the snap out around about twelve o'clock? Exactly. That exactly. is brilliant. <laughs> that is brilliant. Um, I will endeavour to find out if we have anybody who listens in China. Oh, um, yeah. Well, they could even just be Chinese and listening here. That would be perfectly acceptable also. Yes. Yes. Right, OK. So, first up then, clart or clag? Is it clarty or claggy? I Well, I don't say claggy. I think right. of clag as more to do with, I don't know, more tarry, more to do with smoking. You know, clagging right. the lungs. Um, right. I think of, of that. Whereas I tend to think clarty is more to do with foodstuffs. Right, okay. But there we are. That's just me. I was never taught you. this. I just picked it up or made it up or dreamt it up. No, but you've got a definite opinion on it. Well, I've got a definite opinion on everything. That's one of my problems. I'm an opinionated right. little northern, uh, northern uh. <laughs> oh, I can see the missus coming back now with the dog. 
in the distance. Oh, can you? Yeah. Okay. Have have all the people on the tree turned to look at her now? Well, I wouldn't blame them. She's uh, she's much much more worth a look than I am. That's for sure. We're recording late this week because I was I was away uh, first couple of days. So it's, it's so happy Ash Wednesday, basically. Oh, oh is it Ash Wednesday? Yes, uh, happy Ash Wednesday. Where, where does that come from, Ash? Is, that, uh, is it to do with a, a tree that Jesus sat under or something? Or? It, I, I could, well, it's, it's it must tie in somehow, mustn't it? Or a big doobie that he once smoked during his quiet moment in the wilderness. Who can say? Who can say? Um, which, to be fair, would have made the whole fasting really difficult because if you can't have a, you know, a tube of Pringles, mm. or an early morning poppadom, an early morning poppadom, um, which then brings us to pancakes. Does, does the does the Hogarth household do uh, pancakes? We do, and and it tends to be only only only. Hang on, I've got a cough. <coughs> oh, see, I told you, it tends to be only once a year on Shrove Tuesday. And my mum always used to do pancakes. And Lynetta did pancakes yesterday. And they were excellent. They were just like the ones I used to have when I was a kid. Uh, because there's been a bit of an influx, hasn't there, of those those um, completely wrong American-style pancakes that look like something you'd clean a pan with. Um, ah, yes. More of a I... pan sponge than a pancake. Yes. Right? Yes, got to, got to, yes, I know what you mean. Uh, what you mean. But that's wrong in my book. They've got to be those thin, floppy ones that look like the surface of the moon. Um, with, you know, And they have to have a, a squirt of lemon juice, a bit of sugar, and then they have to be rolled up. And, it, and then they have to be preferably eaten with a knife and fork and sliced into little slices, you know, from the rolled up ends. That's how I always ate pancakes. Everything else seems just not right. Okay, so lemon juice over orange juice? Le- no, lemon juice and then sugar. Right, know what I'm saying? You're having lemon juice instead of orange juice. That's, that's yeah, a... yeah I've, I've rarely had orange juice unless we were out of lemons. Um, right. Although I did try one with um, the billionaire's plum compote. Yesterday, ah. and that was pretty damn good as well. Ah, okay. she's, uh, she's a bit of a demon with her preserves. So, no, the Nutella thing then, that's 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 a definite no-no. <coughs> Not for me, mate, it's just plain wrong. Right, but, what about know, vibes, though? Live and let live. Mm-hmm. Oh, vibes would have Nutella in it. Oh, hang on a minute. Uh, oh, no, he can't because he's... Uh, uh, he's allergic to nuts, of course, so he's not allowed near the Nutella. Although, right. I don't know, we're not convinced he is allergic to nuts, but he is. And because he is, there's no, we can't persuade him to have any to find out now. Right. Um, but Nutella's a no-no for him. But they do these things in that they don't do in England, but in Denmark, they do these these things that come in a little in a yellow packet um and they're thin um <coughs> pardon me the 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 thin um like wafers thin wafers of chocolate and they're just pure chocolate and the danes put those in sandwiches 
and on top of bread, which again I find very odd and I want nothing to do with it. But Lynette and Vibes love those as well, these sort of Danish chocolate layers. This is the only way I can describe them, like a thin wafer of chocolate, and you put it in your in your sandwich. Right. So where are you on a pano chocolat then? Because that's essentially bread with chocolate in it. Oh, the cat's ass, as Mosley calls it. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I will eat a cat's ass if if I'm really hungry. Um, but wouldn't you know just for general entertainment and sustenance. Although I will go for a cinnamon swirl. <laughs> oh, I like a cinnamon swirl. <laughs> I will have a cinnamon swirl if I if I feel I deserve one, which is very rare. <clears throat> I like a cinnamon swirl. Pret, yeah. Pret cinnamon swirls particularly special. Did you know? I may have said this before, but did you know that Danish pastries, um, the Danes call those Viennese pastries. They not they don't lay claim to those at all. Oh. I didn't know that. You've not said that before. Of all the things you've repeated yeah. on TCD, you've never repeated that. Every day's a school day, Aunt. Every day's a school day. Um, we have news. We've got bits of news. Well, you've got news. Mm. I'm just going to say three words to you. Oh, Christ. Um, we, we talk every week. We talk once a week for an hour, hour and a half, and yet I find out so much about you through the week that oh. you, you, you don't mention. So three words. Mm-hmm. I found out, I think, Tuesday last week, after we'd spoken on the Monday. Holidays in Stockholm? Oh, shit, yes. I should really be making a, more of a noise about that. Um, yeah, holidays in Sweden. Um, I think he called it, being um, being Swedish and all. Yes, I'm doing a tour of Sweden. I was offered that out of the blue by um, Martinus, who... Um, promoted the last H natural show I did in in Stockholm and made a bloody good job of it, if I may say so. I really enjoyed working with him. So I said I'd love to work with him again. And when we did the the convention in Sweden last year, the one I was ill all the way through, he organised that as well, and that was also very well organised. He he really knows what he's doing and he's a joy to work with. So I'm, I'm bigging him up. He's called Martinus something or other, probably Ericsson. They're all called Ericsson or Larson or Nielsen or something, son, aren't they? Yeah, you Scandies. Jolson. Uh, yeah, any of those. But I think he's Martinus Ericsson, unless I've dreamt that. But he's very good. And he offered me, out of the blue, he offered me a Swedish tour in the summer. Um, so I said, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And then I found Phil Brown up and he couldn't do it because he was on tour in Sweden with Rothers. So I don't know what Rothers is up to, um, but nobody ever does. Um, so I had to move it so I could still do it with Phil because doing it without Phil would just be not right. And, uh, I think it's... At the end, uh, I think it's the last week in July we're doing it. Anyway, I should really put the dates up. I'm rubbish. Because he announced it, and then Lucy emailed me and said, shouldn't we be announcing this? I went, oh, God, yeah, I suppose we should. And then I still didn't, because I've been a bit distracted by, um, by rehearsals with the band. 
So I'll put a little trailer up on on uh, on the um, on the Patreon and the H site as well. Just announce those dates, which I've been a bit tardy with. But of course, I figured well, the people in Sweden will probably get to know about it because Martinus will will advertise it, and the people in England. I don't know how many of them are going to get get on a plane and go to Sweden. Maybe a few will. It is a, an amazing country. Stockholm's fabulous, so as as you probably know if you went to the convention. So uh, all, always, you know, any excuse to go there. And I'm doing um, I'm doing three or four shows, or maybe four or five, including Gothenburg or Göteborg. As, as they kind of call it, which I've probably got wrong, YouTube, um, and a couple of other towns as well, Malmo, which is just over the bridge from Copenhagen. So you could come to that and uh, have a bit of an evening in, or a day or two in Copenhagen, which is a fabulous city as well, or Kerbenhavn, as the Danes call it. Um, and then, so that's three, isn't it? And then I think there's a, at least another two. I, I might, I may be going a, a bit further north, as well, to places I've never been, which will be great. I, uh, I think it clashes with, I think it clashes with our family holiday because I actually looked at it and thought, ooh, I, I quite fancy that. Uh-huh. I've, it's, it's a country I've never been to, always wanted to go to. Um, and I did think, oh, I wonder if there's a cheeky, a cheeky weekend or a cheeky couple of days there. But I think uh, it clashes. I'll have to have another look. Have you been to Copenhagen? No. Oh, and you could do that, and you could do Stockholm because Malmo is literally a sort of a fifteen twenty minute drive from Copenhagen. You go straight over that big bridge, you know oh, the man. the bridge, the bridge, um, and then you're in Malmo almost immediately. So Malmo and Copenhagen are very, very close together, but separated by a stretch of water. There used to be a hovercraft. We used to go over on the hovercraft. That was fun. But that's finished now because you just go over the bridge. Oh. Um, so that's holidays in Sweden. Mm. Um, and, and you're right. We should, we should bang something on the, the Patreon feed as well because that's there to for anything, isn't it? We perhaps perhaps to use that a bit more often, really. I'm so rubbish at advertising myself. It's just something I've never really had a, a natural talent for, and some people are very very good at it, and uh, I'm rubbish at it. I, well, I'd I'm almost pick... rather keep it all a secret. <laughs> well, I'm I'm trying to pick up a bit of the slack. So when I when I when I notice these things, I'll try and mention them. <laughs> Just so we include them in, mm. you know, for 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 shits and giggles. Um, we've got another announcement, um, mm. which is the the Croomcast is 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 moving, isn't it? We're moving the Croomcast. Yes. Well, I've had so what what happened was I've had so few newbies uh, rocking up of late. I mean, the um, the people who are who are already purple have been extremely faithful. So um, there's not a lot of wastage. People people tend tend to be sticking with us and enjoy, and really enjoying it. But we've not had a lot of new people coming in. And the the point of the Crooncast originally was was to thank the new subscribers. Um, and then of course, as things do, it got out of hand and became um, the the kind of 
I felt I had to have a piece of music on the end of each podcast then. Um, and I had quite a lot of fun with the Croncasts. But um, we thought that that being as as there there aren't too many new subscribers, we we should we should make the Croncasts available only to the subscribers as a kind of a, a thanks for subscribing. So if you're not purple, you don't get the Croncast anymore. You just get the podcast. And was, gonna, that, gonna, was that what we said we'd do? Yeah, we said we'd we'd. We'd include it in the... So there's two bits of extra content. We do a and a and we do a, a, a thing called an Odds and Sodcast, which might now be called, become an Odds and Crooncast, actually. Oh. I might, might, re, might rename it. Yeah. Quite like that. Yeah. Odds and Crooncast. So it'll it'll mm. form form part of that. So you'll get a Croon Purples once a month. Um, and also, it's a, when you're jetting about, it's the Crooncast's tough, isn't it? It can be, yeah, but um, especially if I'm in Denmark, the summer house, I don't have a piano there, and so putting together anything that's sort of accompanied is murder. Um, I mean, I can get round it by raiding <laughs> old banana splits, karaoke <laughs> things. That was beautiful. <laughs> I played it at Vibes, he just said, you're not right, and I never want to hear that again. I said, okay, cheers, mate. Um, but, um, yeah, it seems, it seems to have gone down well in certain, certain areas of, uh, you know, deranged, middle-aged folk. Mm. That's mm. you, that is. <laughs> well, well, actually it was, it was more than just me. Oh, all right. Um, but Adam, I seem to, I think reading back on some of the comments, Adam Burton was astonished that we even got, cause he's, he's. In America, he was astonished we even got the banana splits. Yeah, I can understand that because it was very, you know, it was like a kind of spin-off from the monkeys in a way, wasn't it? Um, in the sense of four creatures looning around and playing a bit of music and being zany, um, except they just extended it to these bizarre sort of puppet things. Were they puppets? Would you call them puppets? I, I don't know. Do you know what? To me, it's like it's the other side of Magic Roundabout. Magic Roundabout's very English, very British, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but equally trippy. And then Banana Splits is trippy. That's kind of Yank version of trippy. Yeah, more of the sort of, uh, I don't know, West Coast psychedelia sur- yeah. surf trippy. More yeah. uh, Country Joe. Than um, Magic Roundabout, which of course was was that Belgian or French? I don't know. I think, but that I think it was the Belgians. They tend to occasionally churn out something peculiar. <laughs> Magic Roundabout is very special. Mm, yeah, very special, very special. Yeah. Um, the other thing, while we're talking about that, we need to thank everybody because there's been an influx of of limericks and rhymes. <laughs> I had to correct one. Just, you know, because uh, the one about the um, the bum and the rum was good, but um, there's no rum distilleries in Ireland, so I, I just had to sort out a bit of scansion and uh, fact. But mm. uh, very, very good one. I thought it was really good that you were you were not only moderating, but you were essentially marking homework as well. <laughs> I thought that was... Because th- you were straight in. There was no messing. 
What's that? I find that with this, you know, the subscribers who submit um, poems, uh, and I would, I would recommend that they just pay a little more attention to their syllables and their scansion, because they do let that slip a little bit. Right. We perhaps ought to do an episode on it. <laughs> Really, didn't we? Just a few <laughs> guidelines. If you are going to get involved in this. <laughs> Mr H's limerick lesson. Yes, I think so. I think so. It was uh, The one you're referring to was from Kester Roper. That was it. Yes, that was it. The, there was a young lady called Hillary who visited an Irish distillery. You see, that's wrong right away, because it should go de-diddly-diddly-diddly, not de-diddly-diddly-diddly. So you've got to get your diddlies right with a limerick. Mm. But carry on. She stuck her bare <coughs> bum in a vat of dark rum. Now, I'm, I'm very much with that because that's the kind of... That's where my mind would go. <laughs> I think that's really, really you, impressive. You know you've hit a certain age when the word <laughs> bare bum takes you to, uh, oh, the, oh, that's the wrong spirit entirely. Uh, so, uh, yeah, welcome aboard. Yes. <laughs> Um, and now has a burning capillary. That's a good. That's a good end line. Your payoff line. Mm, that's a good one. But you you changed it, didn't you? You changed it to I've got who toured a Jamaican distillery. Is your response, which is factually correct and has the right number of syllables. Yes, mm. and I think that's helped. So, <laughs> does Kester now have to give you a co-writing credit? I think he should give me a co-writing credit, but I don't want any money. Right. So, right. you know, it's not all doom and gloom. Okay. If you've missed that in terms of bits of pronunciation and odd issue with accents, I will put, we'll put that in the notes. Yeah. I think it's worthy of going in the notes this It's week. a good one. Yeah, it is. He's, he's managed to get a distillery, which I think I'd alluded to, mm. and, uh, and an excellent use of, of capillary, which was the word I had so much trouble locating whilst in Denmark. Yeah, good work, good work. Right, um, so <laughs> I'm going to suggest we go to diary, which seems weird because it feels like we've done 30 minutes of just chat, but that's fine, that's all fine. But we the have. only reason I'm going to suggest we go to diary is because we're going to Berlin and I've mm. got a couple of actually proper questions about oh. the diary reading. Right. So it probably makes sense to go to... Now, it's quite a long diary reading because it covers two days. Yes. And you're in, you're in Berlin with a family, aren't you? Yeah, and I do actually remember that. Um, you know, I know I say this all the time, and then you quiz me, and I go, "Oh no, I've no idea." But I think I do remember that quite well, and I've even got photographs of it and little vibes on the boat and everything. So, yes, let's go to the day off in Berlin, and then uh, the day, um, the day of the gig. With Deep Purple, I believe it was still. I think we were still on the Deep Purple tour. Um, in fact, it definitely was, because I went out and watched the show after hours. Um, here it comes. Sunday, 21st of November. Berlin, day off. Slept fitfully, 
trying not to watch the clock as the night progressed and the bus rumbled along beneath me where I lay on my shelf. Bus driver Paul is going to drop me off at the Berlin Hotel when we make Berlin, ETA, 9am-ish, so I was keen not to oversleep. I had set an alarm, but I've never been good at relaxing when I have an alarm set. I just wait for it all night. At 8.30, I got up and sat downstairs with the driver as we entered this extraordinary city. It was foggy and everything appeared silver while the empty winter trees presented themselves as black skeletons either side of the road. We turned right onto Bismarckstrasse, a wide and Roman straight boulevard which disappeared into the distance and into the morning mist. And straight on we went until, after 20 minutes or so, we made a short detour around the Brandenburg Gate to rejoin it on the old east side. Paul pointed out the two lines of cobbles along the road, now the only clue to where the Berlin Wall used to be. We eventually pulled up outside the Radisson Hotel, next to the Ferris Wheel and alongside the canal. There's an enormous glass tube in the centre of the hotel, which rises to its full height and contains a mega-aquarium full of tropical fish. Pretty surreal. Fish in the sky. Unaccompanied by tour manager Frenchy, who was still sleeping, the main party won't check in until noon, I underwent the traditional never-heard-of-you ceremony, which one must undergo when checking into hotels without tour managers. Group bookings? Try Marillion? Try Jordash? Try Lee? Mosley? Trinifold Travel? No Hogarth? Try Hogarth? No, no, I don't have my passport. My girlfriend is already checked into the hotel with my son, room 3123. Well, how else would I know? Yes, I know she's called Peterson and not Hogarth. That's because she's my girlfriend. I couldn't find a girlfriend with the same surname. I just want a room key so that I don't have to disturb her. I see. It's against the rules. OK, I have my own room also. Hogarth. Yes, I know it doesn't say Steve on my credit card. It's not Neil, it's Niall. He's my son. No, the other one. Can I just go and see my family, please? Eventually she took pity on the sleepy, dishevelled, patiently sighing creature before her and said she would allow me into the lift to the third floor, which won't go to any floor you don't have a key for, but I would have to knock when I arrived. I made my way to room 3123, where I found Lynetta and Vibes already up and on their way to breakfast. It was great to be together again. Elle looked fantastic, and little Vibes seems to have matured a little and is behaving well and charming everyone he meets, especially the girls. He gave me big hugs, and I carried him down to breakfast. After breakfast, we got ourselves together and went out for a walk. Amused to find Frenchy stuck behind the glass doors of the lift with all his bags, as it refused to go up or down. We eventually managed to join him and to get the lift back down to the ground floor, where he said he had already been three times. We went out and eventually settled on the idea of going on a tourist boat which was moored alongside the hotel. This turned out to be a good call. Vibes was thrilled to be on a boat and kept saying, more boat, just in case we got off. 
The boat took us along past beautiful Parthenon-like classical buildings, museums, art galleries, and eventually past the Reichstag, old and now new centre of German government, with its new Norman Parkinson-designed glass dome glistening in the sunlight. Old postcards on the street show aerial photographs of Berlin just after the war, and it gives us all hope to witness that so much can be done to bring cities back from the dead after the insanity of war subsides. Wars aren't won. They are declared by some kind of collective madness which overtakes foolhardy governments, and they are ended when the madness subsides, possibly out of mutual exhaustion. In between, a lot of people die or have their lives forever ruined and their cities annihilated. Then, with time, it all gets rebuilt by future generations, who may remember the historical timeline of the wars, but never quite remember exactly why it all came to pass. East Berlin now looks markedly more beautiful than West Berlin to my eyes. Who'd have thought? The first time I came here in the early 80s, the wall was up and the Reichstag looked like a big, black, scarred and bullet-peppered edifice that someone had shot with a shotgun the size of a street. Over the wall was a space which killed you, and beyond that, East Berlin. Dark, drab, miserable and sad. To our delight, a waitress on the boat served hot chocolate. So we sat on the open upper deck in the sunshine and watched the monuments slide by. Vibes later discovered the wake in the water behind the boat and delighted in watching the water boiling and bubbling. I couldn't help but contemplate what I'd do if he fell in. Truly unthinkable, but you can't help it. So, to his annoyance, I kept an arm round him or a fistful of his coat from behind. The boat returned to the quayside by the hotel and we met up with Niall outside. Elle tried on Russian hats, which I think suit her very much, and she thinks are too big, while Vibes delighted in running into his brother for a while, before conking out and going to sleep in his pushchair. We went to a steakhouse nearby to have a spot of lunch together. I had steak and baked potato, and couldn't swallow it. I occasionally get this thing where I can't swallow. It's very peculiar. We'll have to go to the docks when I get home and see if they can find out why it happens. Eventually got over the non-swallowing thing and managed eating and drinking no problem. Vibes woke up just as we were paying the bill, so we took him back to the hotel room and ordered a spaghetti bolognese on room service for him. Around five we went down to the hotel bar and had a cocktail whilst Vibes busied himself among the pebbles he'd found by the lifts. Chatted to Lucy, George and members of the crew as they passed on their way out and into the hotel. Ate sushi at the hotel restaurant, I can thoroughly recommend the Californian rolls at the Radisson, before returning to the room to put his lordship to bed. It was a struggle. He seems to sense when we have a particular desire to be alone together. Patience, Mr H. Monday, 22nd of November. Berlin. Elle treated me to another hour in bed, thank you, thank you, and took Vibes down to the breakfast room. I was still dozing when they returned, and they were both patient while I got myself together. There was still time to get downstairs before breakfast finished, so we all went downstairs and I ordered a fresh ham and cheese omelette from the chap at the bar. Lovely. Ate it in between taking Vibes on little excursions round the buffet to see what was going on. 
The weather outside was raining quite hard, which was a shame as it was our last chance to groove around in Berlin, and we're reliably informed that the Christmas market will open today. We killed time for a while until the weather improved slightly, then wrapped up and braved rainy Berlin, borrowing two umbrellas from the hotel concierge. The Christmas market was a short walk away. It's open, but many of the stalls are still readying themselves. Vibes rode a little carousel with me while Elle shivered patiently in the rain. We wandered around the market and bought a few tree decorations before returning to the hotel with a sleeping little boy in the pushchair. Had fantastic and fantastically expensive hot chocolates at the hotel bar as the amazing tropical fish glided leisurely above us, along with a scuba diver who was also in the tank doing a bit of cleaning. Elle said she was jealous. She yearns to dive again. Soon it was time for soundcheck, so I packed my things. I'm going overnight, and checked out of the room I never used. There should be no extras. I never went through the door, I said. You never slept, said the receptionist, full of admiration. This is Berlin, after all. The fact is that I'd booked a room just in case Vibes wouldn't sleep, then I'd have somewhere to escape to. Hadn't needed it. Decadent or what? We climbed aboard the tour bus, which had come to take us to the gig, much to the delight of little Vibes, who loves buses. We went upstairs so we could watch our progress from the upper deck, and I showed Ellen V where I sleep. We drove through rainy East Berlin to the gig, and went straight downstairs to soundcheck. Lynetta and his lordship found a seat out on the left wing, and Vibes nodded along in time to the drums. He's already a rocker. All sounded well on stage, so soundcheck was brief. Took L&V up on stage to have a look at the gig from my mic position, and then went to our dressing room until a cab could be arranged to take them back to the hotel. They'll come back for the show, and with a bit of luck, they can watch from the mixing desk. On the way back to the cab, I ran into John, Richard B.'s former keyboard tech who had toured with us in the H-band days. He's now living in Berlin and was helping out on the local crew. I never met a human being who so resembles spiritually and physically John Lydon. The same fiercely playful, intelligently dangerous intensity. Good-natured always, unlike Lydon, but you get the feeling you wouldn't want to cross him. After my darlings left in the cab, I went to the bus and slept for an hour, as usual, before the show. My body goes into another mode for tours, and I find I need sleep between 6 and 7pm. I can fall quite quickly into sleep at this time, and I awake fairly promptly around 7pm, feeling ready, or as ready as I ever am. A mixture of anticipation and responsible dread for the show ahead. I have entered a new phase of the tour now where I seem unable to quite live up to my own expectations in terms of performance, sincerity or vocal dexterity. Perhaps I'm getting worse, or perhaps I expect more of myself. Perhaps the sense of adventure has faded, but I still remain acutely aware of how much there is to gain from this situation, and every nuance missed, lyric not lived but merely sung, seems like a failure of duty. That's not very rock and roll, is it? 
I think that out of the cliché of sex, drugs and rock and roll, I have a new set of parameters, which are more to do with drink, neurosis, sexual frustration and something which is neither hard rock, rock and roll, prog, folk, soul. In fact, I have no idea what label I would place on our output. We've developed a need to excel beyond anything we've created in the past together. I have absolutely no idea where it goes from here. We must do something radical or risk a cul-de-sac. I also don't know whether anyone else in the band feels like this. Nurse, the screens. Well, the gig was a bit weird for me. I said hello after King in the usual way. Guten Abend, Berlin. Vague, cheery response. Wie geht's? Booze. Don't know why they booed that, and it phased me somewhat. No one so far has managed to explain it. I felt that I couldn't get into the place where I exist as a performer after that, and I kind of limped along. Even before Kaylee, when I had the golden opportunity to mention that this, the band's biggest ever hit, was recorded in Berlin, I faltered and said something vacuous instead. Oh well, you can only do your best. And I do. It hasn't been good enough lately. When we came off stage, I was to discover that Elle hadn't seen too much of the show. It had been a bit too much for vibes from King onwards, so she'd had to take him backstage. Another cab was arranged and vibes ran around in the dressing room in good spirits to the general entertainment of all. He did really well as it was hours past his bedtime. I saw the family off, sharing a cab with Lucy, and went out front to have a look at Deep Purple. They are steadily improving across these gigs, just as I seem to be steadily declining, sounding tighter and sonically improving too. It couldn't happen to a nicer bunch of guys. I wish them well. And we're back! And where where well, does that come from, pushing the envelope, by the way? Do you have um, no idea? It's got to be a musical thing, surely. I don't know. Then there's that square in the circle. That really gets on my nerves. That Whenever anybody says, oh, it's very hard to square the circle, I think, what the fuck does that mean? It makes me cross. It's another one of those things. It makes me slightly angry. I'm all right with pushing the envelope, but... I draw the line at the square in the circle. Unless you can explain it to me. And you'll change my life for the better if you do. Well, hang on a minute, because I've just I have just Googled it. Square yeah. in the circle is a problem in geometry first proposed in Greek mathematics. Right. It is the challenge of constructing a square with the area of a circle by using only a finite number of steps with a compass and a straight edge. So it's a thing. Um, it's a task that goes back. Right. So as much as you can be really annoyed by the the phrase, and by the way, mm. I, I agree with you in terms of the phrase. I think it's, I think how, it's really, it's really used. annoying. Yeah. But that's probably the people who are using it you don't like rather than the phrase itself. Yeah, it'll be the kind of all them pretentious, I did ancient Greek at school and so I'm going to use it as often as I can in order to yes. impress you all. Those people, not naming any names, Boris Johnson. <laughs> but you'll do. <laughs> well, he's the worst, isn't he? Yeah. Apparently, it's not to be confused with square peg in a round hole. 
No, I get that completely. That makes total sense to me and doesn't bother me at all. Mm. <laughs> right. Well, Square in the Circle is a thing. Right. Um, do you know what? I'll put a link to it in the notes. We'll, yes. We'll, we'll put the Wikipedia page link in. So it is a thing. Is the, the task apparently has been proved to be impossible, but that still doesn't stop people trying. Oh. oh. Um, apparently. Hmm. And it goes like into the, quite a lot of detail. A lot of formula in there. In that bit particular like the Northern thing. Irish Protocol. Then. <laughs> Very much like the Northern Irish. Or just yeah. Brexit in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. So I agree. But oh, we're happy now it's the people, we think, more than actually the phrase. The phrase actually now has some historical bearing. Right. Well, I'm going to get a pen and paper out later and solve that mother. Yes. <laughs> solve that mother. <laughs> what, in a Samuel L. Jackson style <laughs> <laughs> it's all gone very Pulp Fiction on here this morning. Anyway, yes. Back to questions from the diary. Mm. Okay, T- got three as well. Got three. Okay, oh. I have to try and whip through them, otherwise we're going on for hours. First thing, you have an omelette, <laughs> right? Yeah. You have a. That's have an not a-, a question. No, no, that was a statement of fact. Ham and right. cheese omelette. So here's the question then. Because I had smoked salmon and scrambled eggs uh, at, at, at the Malmaison in Birmingham this week, and I'm happy to name check it because the hotel was fine, but the scrambled eggs and, uh, with smoked salmon was awful to the Ooh. point where I returned it, and it Good was God. shocking. What was wrong with it? Oh, it was just it was it was the, the scrambled egg was almost the consistency of jelly. It was so firm. It was like moved as a single thing. I mean, I think oh. scrambled eggs should be, you know, yeah, but. Wet. Just on the edge of being cooked, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was, and it had that vibe of having been under the heat lamp as well. To- totally, totally wrong. So, but but I think a well-made omelette or well-made scrambled eggs is the breakfast of champions. So, where are you on breakfast? Because you must have a lot of hotel breakfast. Yeah, um, we're not often in in the kind of hotels where there's a little man making omelettes, and so it's always a bit of a treat when we are tends to be um you know it, it tends to happen a lot in south america and mexico central america um in the hotels we stay in very occasionally in the in the slightly better ones we stay in in north america and hardly ever in europe um i think you you're kind of looking at five stars really before you get a little man making an omelet in europe and we very rarely, if if ever, uh, go to the heady excesses of five-star hotels because when we're touring, it's our money. In the old days, you'd get to groove around in lots of nice hotels when the record company was paying and you were doing interviews and things. And I'd find myself languishing occasionally in the Cavalieri Hilton in Rome, which is a lovely hotel. Um, but when we're on tour... And we're we're therefore paying for it. Being a bunch of skin flints, we uh, we never go much beyond. Well, we never go beyond four stars. In fact, half the time we stagger into three star places, um, <clears throat> with broken air conditioning and broken lifts, and people who start hammer drilling at eight a.m. That tends to be the kind of hotel we stay in. But um, occasionally. There is a little man making omelettes. And when there is, then I'll, if I'm up in time, um, because they tend to knock it on the head about 10 in most hotels. Sometimes they'll stretch it till half past. 
But um, I tend not to be up for that, uh, so I miss it. But if I'm up and I haven't missed it, I will go and go and ask the little man if he'll make me an omelette. And I'm not being sexist because it always is a bloke. Um, and he makes he makes an omelette. He does. I usually ask for ham and cheese with a bit of with a bit. Of, I'll have a bit of tomato in it, and sometimes I'll even go for a spring onion. But um, it's it's not very often that happens, and I certainly wouldn't want something like that every day. It's just once in a while as a little as a little treat. It is. It is my the, either of those two things: decent sm- uh, scrambled eggs or decent omelette. My that's my breakfast of choice. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm funny with breakfast. I mean, half the time I don't have breakfast at all. Um, and I mean, yesterday I came home from the studio about half four and realised I hadn't had breakfast yet. You know, so I sometimes completely forget to eat and and go all dizzy late afternoon and think I'm I'm ill and then realise it. It's just because I haven't eaten yet. Um, and then, of course, I come home and eat all sorts of mad shit because I'm so hungry, um, which can't be good for you. No. No. Have breakfast, kids. <laughs> Have breakfast, kids. <laughs> Have breakfast, kids. <laughs> what is it? Uh, mother, tell your children not to do what I have done. There you go. Which song's that from Ant? Come on. I, as soon as you said it, I heard, I heard the song and I now can't. Yeah, I'll come back to you. Let me let, me let it permeate. <laughs> oh, blooming hell, that's going to annoy me now. Right, I'm going no, to quote I... you back to yourself while I'm thinking about it. All right. Um, I'm going to quote, I'm potentially going to quote you back to yourself twice mm-hmm. uh, from the from the diary. I just need to check I'm on the, um, I'm on the right page. Yes, here we are. Um, right, where is it, 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 where is it? Uh, okay, here we are. I have entered a new phase of the tour now where I, I seem unable to quite live up to my own expectations in terms of performance, sincerity or vocal dexterity. Perhaps I'm getting worse or perhaps I expect more of myself. Perhaps the sense of aden- adventure has faded. Uh, but I still remain acutely aware of how much there is to gain from this situation and every nuance missed. Lyric not lived, but merely sung. And we've talked about this a little bit before, about you being in a song and being in the moment and and not wanting to miss that opportunity. Now this is going back. We're going back twelve years to this. Mm. But you've also said that you, um, particularly on the last tour, you you thought you felt you were singing as well as you'd ever sung. Mm. So was that a bit more of a point in time? And have you? Have you wrestled with that and now found a solution to it, or do you still feel the same way you felt in 2010? Oh no, I don't feel that way. Um, that is always a problem when you're on a an intense and a, and a long tour. Um, you have to fight against, or I have to fight against, going through the motions because. Um, the show can become so learnt and so in your muscle memory, which is great in a way because, you know, the playing um, comes much, much easier to you and, and on the whole things tend to improve technically by repetition. But if you're singing, 
um, there's always that risk that you'll you'll switch off, and it's you know when you drive a car from one place to the other and get there and go, oh shit, I didn't, you know, I, I don't remember any of that journey. I do hope I was paying attention because I've drifted off, you know, and I've arrived at my destination and I don't remember any part of that journey. And that's a bit like what happens to you as a singer. If you're singing the same stuff every night, you can switch off. And, you know, the the words will come out, the tune, the tune will come out. You might even cock your right wrist at exactly the same point in the... <laughs> in verse two that you did the night before and you kind of go into this automatic automatic performance thing if you're not careful which is unforgivable um and so i i I had a little i was just trying to guard against that um there's probably a bit of paranoia there as well. It's probably not nearly as bad as you know in the world as it's as it is in my head, um, and I just didn't feel I was singing very well on the you know. And I obviously had a couple of bad shows because the voice isn't a machine either. Although you can become machine-like through repetition. Um, the voice is, is is part of your body and you can't rely on it, you know. So again, then you're, you're more into the area of... That's kind of into the area of... It must be what footballers go through, you know, at the, the top of the pops kind of footballers who'll go out on will go out on one Saturday and be in a zone and everything will work and they'll have the energy and they have the accuracy and they'll just do amazing shit. And then the following week, you will be barely recognisable as the same team. Um, I think it's a bit like that with singing because part of it is physical. And so that va- that just naturally varies as anything physical will. Some nights um, I can't pitch because... The rooms are a difficult room to pitch in. Um, some rooms are a bit awkward. You know, you you don't have a great sound, and then it's harder to pitch. Or the bass is too boomy, and then it's hard to pitch. And then I get pissed off with myself because I'm I feel I'm falling short technically. And then I get really pissed off with myself because I'm thinking about falling short technically when really I should be living what I'm singing. So there's a hell of a uh, potential for a a spiral into all kinds of self-doubt, self-loathing, paranoia and general disappointment um, when you're in that place. And I I was obviously in that place when when I'd mentioned it in the diary. Mm. Because you don't, I mean, what you just said there, I mean, you have alluded to that in the past. It was just, just interesting, it was that point of time. And the reason why I picked up on it was because I then picked up on what is virtually the next sentence, which was, as a band, we've developed a need to excel beyond everything we have created in the past. And then you went back and said, I don't know if that's the band or if that's just me. But, but, mm. but then you wrote that out as a sentence. Now, that's 2010. So that's pre-sounds, that's pre-fear, that's uh, pre and now before it's dark. Feel different now? 
Well, I think you still got to guard against the cul-de-sac. You know, I mentioned that. And we're going to have to do, we're going to have to shake things up now. And, um, you know, in the, in which, which album had we just made at that point? We just made sounds that can't be made, had we? I think you must have been in the process of, of making it, but yeah, sounds, thinking about date, sounds 2012, isn't it? Yeah, so... maybe, maybe because I think we put power in that set, didn't we? So I think we'd already done that, but I don't think we'd finished everything else. And I was just a little bit concerned. Sounds That Can't Be Made was a difficult album. You know, we, we had the big row at the beginning of it and nearly split up, and then we came back together. Whether or not whether or not we'd put Gaza together at that point where the diary was read, I don't know. Uh, but Gaza was a big help in a way um, in terms of not disappearing down the cul-de-sac that I was worried about. Um, I would I would never want Marillion to be a band that knew knew what its audience you know felt it knew what its audience wanted, um, and was trying to fulfil that need. Um, I've always fought against that. Um, I, th- I think it's important that we don't keep going around and around the same creative circle and that we, we we keep keep redefining what we represent out there to to the people who give a damn you know i mean to the there are certain people at the bbc who'll think we're a kind of secondhand genesis forever and mm. because they'll never ever listen to anything they just sort of we've got this stigma that um goes around that is passed on i think from certain lazy folk in the media um and we just have to deal with that in the same way that i guess i don't know maybe david jason will, will always be rodney from only fools and horses when it doesn't matter what the fuck he does i mean he could go and do king lear sit down on the good morning tv sofa to talk about what he's just done at the out in Stratford on Avon, and they just ask him about only fools and horses. That that's just the nature of, of the the media, really. I guess so. Everyone has to put up with it, but it is quite hard work. Um, but I, I I I sort of got distracted there. What I was trying to say is that I never want to be that thing that certain people at the BBC already think we are. Um. And I know that anyone who's got any knowledge of our our work over the last thirty years, I'd like to think that they understand that, um, and that they they're prepared for a, a bit of a surprise when they when they put our new work on. Mm. Certainly, since you wrote those lines, it would be very difficult for anybody to challenge what you've just said. Because there's absolutely no doubt that the three albums that have come out since you wrote that absolutely push the envelope, if we're going to use that phrase. Well, good. It's also very hard from the inside to know if you're being as radical as you think you are. And, and I think there's always a tendency for any kind of movement to feel really radical on the inside. 
more so than perhaps it does on the outside. Because we'll always be us. We can't get away from who we are. I will always open my mouth and it'll be me singing and Steve will always play his guitar and it'll be Rothers playing guitar and similarly with Ian, definitely drumming. All five of us have a very kind of characterful sound, I think, um, that we can't escape from because it's no matter how hard we try, we'll be us. But having said that, we... We do try, you know, to keep to keep re- redefining who we are, and that makes the whole process not necessarily easy, but um, keeps it interesting, and it, it it keeps the process of touring interesting as well, because as time passes, we have this greater and greater and greater um, breadth of music to choose from. I think we'll leave it there. I think it's a nice place to a nice place to finish. But certainly right. interesting reading those words from a decade ago because I do think there's there's definitely been development. There's definitely been change. There's definitely been evolution since you you wrote that. I, from an outsider looking in, I can't answer it from your perspective, but from an outsider looking in. Well, good, good because if if it's felt like that from the outside looking in, it will have felt even more extreme to us doing it. I mean, I'll never forget when we made Brave, you know, that feeling of unease and like, holy shit, what are they going to make of this? It's really not like anything that's come before it as a sound um, and as an approach. It really did feel like sort of smashing through a, a wall making brave and you know as i've often said i think i think for a lot of listeners they couldn't cope with it we lost a lot of fans when we made brave but they all talk about it now as though it's you know our masterpiece or whatever so you never know with the punters you know the things that i guess a bit like faulty towers isn't it i mean every (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't think anybody got Faulty Towers on the first, on its first showing, and now it's looked back on as this kind of masterpiece. Um, so sometimes you have to be prepared to do something that feels to you incredibly radical, probably ends up being received by the public as as almost unpalatable you know only for once it's bedded in with the passing of time for it's it's the radical aspect of it is then somehow translated into into it feeling like a classic it was probably always the same you know with Beethoven and Mozart and all of them you know from the year dot the 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 really weird shit was probably the stuff that then later on was looked back on as the, the you know the really inspired moments. Mm. Which means in fifty years' time, the Verdi song will take its rightful place <laughs> up there in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll see you next time. Have a nice weekend. <laughs> Cheers, Anthony. Hmm.
Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.